Good afternoon. Welcome to Earthmakers, spiritual care for real humans. My name is Joey. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. I'm a recovering addict, and I'm the grateful creator and host of this podcast. Take a deep breath. Settle in. This space is for you. Hi, everyone. It is Saturday. I haven't recorded a Saturday episode in a while, but as I promised, I'm doing a little uh, recording every day uh, during the election-related anxiety. But today's uh, recording serves two purposes. Um, One, it's the purpose of, uh, of course, you know, providing you with a space to just kind of breathe and relax. But secondly, um, it's Halloween, so happy Halloween to you. Um, This Halloween is different, obviously, than past Halloweens because it's Halloween 2020, and 2020 has been (laughs) crazy, right? So Halloween's crazy and different. But in the midst of like the, the different nature of Halloween, I want you to pause for a moment and just reflect on the history of Halloween. And my favorite part of Halloween, my favorite part, has always been the presence of ghost stories or stories of the supernatural, right? My favorite being The Legend of Sleepy Hollow by Washington Irving. In season one, um, there was an episode called Storytime, and in that episode I read to you a short story I wrote about a robot and his cat. Today I'm going to read to you a short story that I wrote called Way Back When, and it's set in upstate New York. It is a, a little ghost story, a little story about ghouls and scary things. And... One, I want you to remember the value of telling stories, how important it is for stories to be told. And this is a chance for you to just sit and listen to a a silly little ghost story and get your mind off of the things that are out of your control. Two, ghost stories have a rich history in our culture because it is important and has been important for us to remain close to the dead. There's a whole world of episodes that we could record and unpack around that. But for today, I just want you to remember that you get to practice being close to the dead, those who have gone before you. You get to choose what kinds of stories you're going to tell about them. Because that's how people live on, in stories. Stories do have power in that way. So I hope that you will enjoy my story. Take a deep breath. Breathe all the way out. I'm going to read a story to you now. Just settle in and listen. Maybe get some tea a warm blanket. I like to wear my slipper socks. I'm wearing my slipper socks right now, in fact, with my little kitty sitting next to me and my black nail polish. I feel very witchy. 
and wonderful. Okay, this story is called Way Back When. Little minds are tamed and subdued by misfortune, but great minds rise above them. Washington Irving. There are times, places, people, and events I wish I could forget. When I was a younger child, this was not the case. I wanted every moment, especially if it made me feel love and happiness, tenderness and care, fun and excitement. Our bodies, our minds keep track of everything, though. This blesses us and curses us till our skin tingles and lumps sit upon lumps in our trembling throats. We call it nostalgia, but it, all of it, feels like trauma. Well, in Garden, New York, founded in 1865 by William Hamm, there were folks who wanted to forget the neighboring town of Bluebell, New York, altogether. Some awful things had happened in Bluebell and an abbey. Some say it was ghosts. Some say it was a clan of cannibalistic witches dressed as nuns. Whatever the hell it was, after you read this little tale, I pray you are able to just forget the whole thing. Molly Latch's cousin came to Garden for a visit after her nanny died of the fever. This was according to the telegram written to Molly's mother by the cousin's mother, Mrs. Sissy Curry. The cousin enjoyed running through the halls of the old manor ringing small bells and chimes. Mother told Molly that it brought her cousin, Dorcas, comfort. She never had a comfortable childhood, Molly. She has been less fortunate. We need to give her all of the allowance that she needs. Mother was a sweet, sensitive soul. Mother didn't understand Molly. It may be important to mention, however depressing, that Molly Latch was disgusted by Cousin Dorcas. The incessant ringing of the bells and chimes, the pure, inquisitive looks of innocence, the same old gray dress that she wore every day. Mother had tried to convince Dorcas to change her dress and wash up in the large bathtub upstairs. Dorcas would smile and laugh like a madwoman. She would ring her little bells with that nauseating twinkle in her eye and go outside to visit with the squirrels. Molly was not elegant. She did not laugh like a madwoman. If she ever smiled, it was due to the fact that she had just killed something fuzzy. Molly fancied herself a hunter, like her father, the mysterious Rufus Latch, mayor of Garden, New York. Mother, Abigail by name, hadn't seen her husband in three years. He was often gone on long hunting trips to his hunting cabin in the Adirondacks. He would not return for weeks and months at a time. When Molly was all of four, the dark and brooding Mayor Rufus left for the cabin and did not return for a year. Molly was now 12 years old. Rufus left for a hunting expedition of great length on Molly's ninth birthday. Mr. Cheswick, Ham Manor's portly manservant from England, warned Molly to never bring up her father to Mrs. Latch. It will only serve to upset her, dear one, the butler would often say. Molly looked like Mayor Rufus, said Cheswick, and acted and smelled like him too. Molly was quiet, thoughtful, and frequently moody. She demanded perfection of her family and acquaintances. 
Molly would put her brown curly hair up in a sloppy ponytail and take her large orange cat, Dawes, out to the woods. Dawes rode in an old sack tied to Molly's back. Molly loved to disappear into the old wood behind Ham Manor for hours at a time. She waited until Cheswick, her absolute favorite human, rang the dinner bell. Molly was never worried about making it to dinner on time. Molly was a fast runner, the fastest in all of Steuben County, named for Baron von Steuben. She loved to wildly run the trails of the old wood and then quietly creep up on squirrels, deer, and rabbits with her bow and arrow, gifted to her by her father on her ninth birthday as he departed for the Adirondacks. When the dinner bell rang, Molly would quickly scoop up her fresh bloody kill in one hand, her bow and feathered arrow in another, and make sure Dawes was secure on her back. Then she would run through the old wood, along the croquet course, jump the creek, and make it through the gardens and patios to the dining hall. She would be seated before Mother arrived. Cheswick would wink at her as Mother scolded her for being muddy, bloody, sweaty, and out of breath, her curly brown hair in a frustrated tangle. Molly set out one early morning with Dawes, agreeing that they had both had quite enough of Dorcas's incessant singing and ringing. The big jackrabbit in the grove is the one we need today, Dawes. Dawes chirped awkwardly in response, his fluffy head sticking out of the beaten brown sack. The strange pair ran to the old wood. As Molly passed the large birchwood tree on the left, she heard a familiar noise. The bells and chimes. Dorcas was close by. As Molly crept quietly behind the tree, she heard chimes just above her. Dawes was agitated. He squirmed in the sack and called out in high-pitched squeals. Molly looked up. Dorcas sat in a high branch, ringing her bells and singing. Molly could feel the hair stand up on the back of her neck, not out of fear, but out of anger. She was bristling. Get down out of that tree this instant, you hog, growled Molly. I've come to share the news with you, Cousin Molly, Cousin Dorcas shouted through a laugh. Molly breathed deeply as Cheswick had taught her. You may share your news with me, Cousin. Then I command you to return home. Mother will be worried sick about you. Molly's tone was icy and unforgiving. Dorcas giggled. Her blonde hair appeared white. Her gray dress clung to her meager frame like a damp cloth. Dorcas said, Cousin Molly, Sister Mary waits for you. She's at the old abbey in Bluebell. Go to her. You cannot wait for Uncle Rufus any longer. You must go to Sister Mary. Suddenly, as if by magic, strange cousin Dorcas was no longer smiling. The twinkle in her eye had all but vanished. A sour frown covered her face. Her eyes were black as coal. Molly shuddered and swallowed hard. The gray dress was now a deep black. Dawes was violently kicking in the sack. Molly suddenly felt that she needed to take Dorcas quite seriously. 
The bells hanging from the strings in Dorcas's right hand shriveled up like parchment on fire. The chimes in her left crumbled like a handful of dry church cookies. Dawes grunted as the chime dust fell between his hairy orange ears. Something was very wrong. Molly suddenly felt something in her belly that she hadn't felt for much of her 12 years. She was afraid. Molly Lanch found that deep, damp morning that she was terrified of her cousin, Dorcas Curry. Who is Sister Mary, cousin? Molly swallowed again, the words stuck in her dry throat. Dorcas's voice was now deep and menacing. She is the witch of Bluebell, the one who sees all. Molly suddenly felt that old latch defiance rising up within her. It just so happens, Dorcas, that I do not believe in witches, and I do not know what has come over you. I don't know how you turned that disgusting and infernal dress a different color, and I don't know why you are trying to give me a fright, but you had better stop this foolishness at once and go home. You are scaring poor Dawes. Dorcas's eyes changed from black to their usual vibrant blue, and she giggled as a very terrifying thing happened. Two long, shiny black arms popped out of Dorcas's back, shredding the back of the worn dress. Dorcas gasped as if pleased with a new Christmas doll. The long black arms were shiny and they didn't have any fingers. Liquid from Dorcas's back splashed on Molly's face. She suspected it was Dorcas's blood, but as she wiped her face, she saw that the liquid was as black as the ink in the well on father's old hickory desk. The black arms suddenly sprouted a large wiry black frame and began to fill in with a strange scrim of dark fabrics. Dorcas Curry had sprouted large black butterfly's wings and Molly and Dawes had witnessed all of it. Dorcas cracked a smile and parted her lips as if to giggle again. But instead of a giggle, her voice ushered forth the sound of small ringing bells. Dorcas leapt off the high branch and the black wings flapped as she took flight over the tops of the trees and away into the morning. Molly Latch had never run so fast in her life. Dawes had dug his claws so deeply into his sack that he was now digging into the skin on Molly's back. She couldn't feel a thing. She just ran. When Molly arrived at the gate, Mr. Cheswick stood in the doorway by the garden waiting for her. Cheswick's mustache crawled like a fuzzy caterpillar as he welcomed Molly. Miss Molly, what troubles you, my dear? The gentle butler asked. Molly's face, which came up to Cheswick's large belly, was now buried in his white cummerbund. Oh dear now, Miss Molly, you are going to get my perfect starched shirt dirty. He pulled out his handkerchief and wiped off her sweaty, tear-streaked face. 
I have never seen a latch look so terrified. Please, tell me what's happened, and let's get Dawes a saucer of milk. Cheswick gently lifted Dawes out of the sack with one arm, and with his other hand he took Molly's and his giant pudgy warm fingers. They strolled together quietly to Cheswick's basement library. Faithful Mr. Cheswick got a fire going in the hearth, wrapped Molly in a warm blanket, and set her down. As promised, he poured Dawes some goat's milk from the kitchen and sat with Molly by the burning logs as they crackled and popped. The smell of smoke and the burning wood comforted Molly and soothed her fearful belly. Cheswick knew his favorite latch all too well. He had been with her from the beginning. Now, Lady Molly, will you tell your old butler what scared you and Dawes so terribly? Cheswick crouched next to Molly's chair with a grunt. He was indeed a hefty fellow. I don't know what to say, Cheswick. It was all so horrid. Cheswick paused, scratched his balding head, and said with a grin, Horrid? Now there is a word Lady Molly Latch has never used in all of her twelve years. As the fire glowed warm and cozy, Molly told Cheswick the story of Dorcas in the tree. Cheswick ran his fat hands over his mustache and then stood. He did not look at Molly. He stared at the fire. How horrid indeed, he finally said after a long pause. I have a thought that might be of use to you, Miss Molly. Now, Molly, who had calmed down considerably, had not mentioned the name of Sister Mary, the Witch of Bluebell, to Cheswick, so you can imagine her surprise when he said, Sister Mary at the Bluebell Abbey is an old friend of mine. I can take you to her. She will know what to do. Molly's jaw dropped. Could creepy cousin Dorcas have been right? Is Sister Mary really a witch, Cheswick? she asked, a lump sitting on yet another lump in her trembling throat. She has been called a witch, yes, he mumbled under his breath as if sharing a secret. In truth, she comes from a very old order of nuns and is the last of her kind. She was once a great treasure. Cheswick could see that his Molly looked worried. She furrowed her brow. Cheswick, don't let her eat me. The butler chuckled. Lady Molly, I believe Dawes would like to nap by the fire. Why don't I draw you a nice hot bath before you practice your reading with your mother? As Molly rose from the large armchair by the fire in Mr. Cheswick's study, he asked, Dear one, have I ever led you to harm? Molly shook her head silently. He placed his giant hand on Molly's shoulder and pulled her in tight to his friendly belly. Today has been a special day for you, and you get to decide how you would like to proceed from here. You are your own greatest champion. You are a warrior, my lady. No one can tell you what to do or how to feel. If you wish to go see Sister Mary, then I will take you to Bluebell. If not, that would be all right as well, wouldn't it? Fancy that bath now. As Mr. Cheswick and Molly Latch walked the halls quietly toward the east wing of Ham Manor, a neighboring seamstress spotted a strange butterfly with black wings as it landed on her laundry line. The seamstress had lived in gardens since before William Ham had arrived from Rochester, New York. 
she was never taken with the Latch family. Garden's Methodist preacher would gently scold the seamstress when she would call the Latch family a bunch of stuffed shirts. The old woman slowly approached the curious butterfly, but as she got closer, it gave her a bit of a start. Loud, deafening church bells rang when it fluttered its jet black wings. The elderly seamstress decided it was time to take a nap and just forget the whole thing. The end. Well, that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed reading my story to you. It was called Way Back When. I hope that this story time allowed you to take your mind off some of the stress and anxiety of the days we're currently living in. I love you. You are enough exactly as you are. Take good care of you today. And I'll see you tomorrow.